Merry Christmas, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. John is her, Gangsta Dean. And for our Christmas episode, we're going to be talking about a couple Christmas games we've been playing lately. Then we're going to do a full review of Santa's Workshop. And then finally, we're going to wrap up the episode with our top five wish list games that we would like to play. So thanks for joining us for episode number three. Hey everybody, it is Christmas time in Meeple Town, and we are super excited to come back for episode number three. We've got the Christmas tree lights up. There's no snow outside because we're in Middle Tennessee, uh, and it's just rain, so we don't have that going for no, us. No, and it's pretty warm today. Yeah, it definitely is. But what we do have are some results from some of the polls that John's been posting on Twitter and etc. Yes, and if you don't know me by now, you will get to know me more for whatever reason. I love my polls. I like the interaction. So two polls after the Thanksgiving episode, we asked a couple of Thanksgiving questions and we'll dive into some Christmas polls. Um, but the first one was, Meepletown, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Number and they one, all said cranberry. Let's go no, ahead and move on to the next question. They did not say cranberry. There was one person who said cranberry. That's a smart dude. It's, he's something. He's something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number one was dressing. Ah, okay, all right. I would have thought turkey. Yeah, that would make sense. It's you know. Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, so yeah, I had on this uh, poll for Twitter, turkey, dressing, sweet potato casserole, mashed potatoes, and gravy. Then somebody decided to throw their own in there, and it was cranberries. Yeah, so, you know. That's a smart person. That was a smart person. Now, second, my second Thanksgiving poll, I actually did on the Facebooks. And that was, should Dean have broken his grass-eating vegetarian state during Thanksgiving? Meepletown, you decide. In Meepletown, you decided, absolutely, Dean should have broken his grass-eating vegetarian state 71% to 29 And it is a good thing that we don't allow the Meepletown voting to determine <laughs> the well-being of my health. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. I will say this. Even though I poke fun, I am... Highly respect your vegetarianism. I love all kinds of food. In fact, I'm a big vegetable man myself, but I do eat meat. But even though I joke, I respect it, sir. So what else? What other polls we got going on? So let's jump over to... Oh, I should have brought my sleigh bells. And I could have had them in the background. Like, ching, 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 ching. Because I totally have some sleigh bells. Anyway, just uh, pretend. Dean, do you mind going ching, 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 ching? How about I add Our that Christmas sound clip in after? There you go. So uh, we have... I decided to do something kind of fun. I was going to post a poll about, like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And then I thought, what's better than one poll? Many polls! So let's do a Christmas... Movie tournament was kind of my thoughts. And so we started that this last week. By the time you hear this, we may be several deep into this poll, but you've got to get on and vote because I just think this is amazing. So the very first um, group of four, we're going to do a 16-movie tournament. The first group of four, we put in there Elf, A Charlie Brown Christmas, which he totally you know, kicked at the football and missed because no one voted for a Charlie Brown Christmas. A Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life. And do you know what won, Dean? 
I believe Christmas Story won this, if I remember right. That is correct. Christmas Story won 45%. Second place was It's a Wonderful Life with 28 yeah, those were some good. Those are I know, some and good Elf movies. is a good I movie like all too. Of those. Yeah, and a Charlie Brown Christmas is good. Like, yeah, that's the cool thing about this. There's so many Christmas movies. We're gonna have 16 quality Christmas movies, I think. So, yes, a Christmas Story won the first round. They're gonna go on to the next, which that'll likes to be a final four because well, we'll take one from each of these four heats and go into the final four. The second one that actually has, as of you know Friday morning, one hour left. And it's a runaway thus far, so I don't think anything's going to change by the time we're done with this. Um, the heat was Christmas Vacation, a little National Lampoon action. Scrooged, The Grinch by Jim Carrey. I wanted to do the Jim Carrey version here. We may do the other one. We'll see. And Love Actually. Dean, uh, you voted for Love Actually, didn't uh, you? That is false. And that, is <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, not a bad movie, but I know you like your Hallmark movies and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I haven't seen any of those on here yet. I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that there's no Hallmark movies. When I come home and my wife's watching one of those, I just have to go to the other room because I can't <laughs> stand it. I just can't stand it. So, you know who's going to win? I don't. I'm looking forward to seeing how this turns out. Turns out it's a runaway right now okay. with Christmas Vacation. Okay. So 55%. I, I assume that was probably the case. And I, I could see that one being maybe even the final, one of the final I two could. movies. I've got two movies in my head I'm not going to disclose that are my two favorites. And um, I'm, I've been when thinking you do, through, I've been thinking through, and I think that this could be competing. I'm not saying it is one of my top two, but I think it could be competing at the end. But when you do reveal your top two, that will be a real nice surprise. A real, real nice, surprise. nice surprise. If you have seen Christmas Vacation, you'll know exactly what Dean just did. And if not, you probably will because it might be one of the top two movies. But do we just talk about Christmas movies? Is that what we're doing today? Are we just... I, th- I think so. I think okay. we, we're going to change this from a board gaming podcast into a movie critiquing podcast okay that is something that i cannot do (laughs) (laughs) yeah me neither i love my movies but board games are way more fun and so we're ready to talk about some christmas board games i believe why don't i start off by talking about a christmas game that i've been playing lately this is a game called christmas tree and it was published in 2017 this is by designer i might get this wrong and i apologize but nagi balaz and um, the the designer of this game is actually from Hungary. It's not published in the U.S. where we are, but I had to order this directly from Evergreen Publishers. Or, I'm sorry, Clever Green Board Game Publishers. And I ordered this directly from Hungary, got it in around December last year, so we played it several times last year. I've already played it a little bit this year, but in Christmas Tree, it's actually a pretty simple uh, card drafting game like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go, but essentially you're playing three rounds of drafting cards and you're going to take these cards that are Christmas ornaments and you're going to place them on your board, which is a Christmas tree. Each round you're going to draft seven cards and there are 21 spots on your Christmas tree. And so you're going to fill up your Christmas tree every game. But then at the end of every round, you're going to get bonus points based on these these cards that are placed out where you can get bonus points. And then at the end of the game, you're going to get points for completed Christmas tree lights that are on your tree. You're going to get bonus points for cards that are surrounding your gingerbread ornaments. But 
it's it, like I said, it's a super simple to play game because there's mm-hmm. only three different types of ornaments, and so once you know how all of those work, then it's uh, then it's pretty easy easy going after that. But there's glass ornaments that are different colors and different shapes that are going to give you bonus points based on their arrangement on your Christmas tree. You're going to get points for the candy Christmas ornaments, which have just points on them. That's pretty much all they are. And then the gingerbread men that are on your tree, you're going to get points based on what type of ornaments are surrounding them. Yep. But that's it. I mean, you're going to play three rounds of that. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game. But the neat thing about this game is that it is simple, but man, is it mathy. It's it's yep. like crunchy. You actually you have some difficult decisions about what ornaments you're going to take to put on sure. your tree every round. And what, what I <clears throat> thought was kind of interesting too, Dean was that you flip over those four cards at the end of every round or before every round starts. So as you're putting your tiles here on your Christmas tree and you're finishing up the round and trying to score as many points as you want on that round, you've got no clue what the next four are going to flip over for the next round and give you bonuses for that round. So you, I guess all you can really do is try your best almost to score as many points as you can that round. Right. But you could maybe leave some space open and go, well, let me not dominate this one space because what happens when they flip over and it's something yeah. different. Yeah. So I thought that, that was probably one of my favorite parts to that. It's funny because that's one of your favorite parts of the game, but that's actually one of your not, least favorite. It's, no, it's not the correct way to, to play. I just did that because I feel like it's the best way to teach the game. In the actual, there's like three different modes. There's an introduction, a family, and an advanced mode. And if I remember right, you're actually picking from cards that you have in your hand. Everyone's going to be picking cards that are going to be the the ones that are going to give you So it wasn't just a random draw. Well, that's the way I teach it, just because I feel like unless you've played it, you don't really know exactly how the ornaments play on the tree. And mm. so those... I do you don't that know with a which lot ones to really go for. Right. I, I, do that, I do that with a lot of games that where you have to pick your scoring... Keyflower is the same way. You have to pick your, your scoring tiles at the end of the game. Well, if you don't know how the game scores, it really doesn't make that sense your first time playing. And so um, so that's just usually how I teach it. But That's cool. So, you, so I would normally have the cards in my hand and pick which one I want to... I, I they believe change that, every well round? there's different modes of playing the game but that Got is you. that is one of the one of the ways that you can play it Got you. but yeah they there's a ton of those scoring cards and some of them are more advanced we played with all the easier cards but the more advanced ones are um they're they're complicated for your first play and so that's Got why you. we just kind of left those out of the game but there's also these uh linzer cookies that you can play where you can arrange ornaments on your tree we didn't oh, play yeah. with those yeah, so there's lots me. of different modes of playing this game too which i i think is good so what's your like gut reaction when you uh, how how much do you just you down with it Oh, yeah, I like this game a lot. Yeah, and, I thought you were. I thought you did. And I'll talk about this when we do our Santa's Workshop review, but I really like, I love Christmas, okay? I love christmas theme games, and there's not many of them out there. Mm-hmm. And when there is a game that is christmas theme that's also thinky, I, I can get down with that. Yeah. But the thing this game really has going for it is that it's super easy to teach, and it's but, but there are difficult decisions to make. Sure, so yeah. we played this last Christmas... When we celebrated Christmas with my wife's family, we played it with my brother-in-law and, and his wife, and we we played this. I don't know, maybe three or four times in a row. They quite enjoyed it. Oh, right? they loved it. Yeah, yeah, for the for the same reasons. It's really easy to teach, 
and you know it plays quickly you can play in about 30 to 45 minutes and yeah. really a lot of that is just because you have to think about which cards you're going to play that's what i like about like these puzzly-ish games um i think that people can pick them up pretty quick because they've pl- a lot of people have played games like that i mean you know what i mean right, whether it's a right. slider puzzle or something people have an idea of uh you know they've, they've seen something like it before so when you toss that out to them i think it's really quick for folks to uh to pick up on i i really enjoyed it as well i thought it was cool i'll say this i want do I have a love-hate relationship with Christmas games? <laughs> the, the, the positive is, which I love, and I am, Christmas is my favorite holiday. I'm all over Christmas. Amazing to have, like you said, there's not just millions of Christmas games, games that you can pull out. But the negative is, do you play it in July? Are you allowed to play it in July, Dean? <laughs> right, yeah. I, for me, not so much. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to play yeah, like, me neither. You know, so a game the, called Christmas I wouldn't say Tree. I, yeah, I wouldn't say I hate that, but I, I mean, I kind of hate that, that yeah. I can't play you know later on that you've got like a month maybe two month window that you could say i'm playing it right right but i i kind of enjoy that you know i think it's nice to have those games that you only bring out at a certain time of year i think that's that's pretty cool and that's what we like about christmas movies and stuff like that i thought it was really fun my only like the negatives now dean has the first run of this game right so they redid all the art i thought the art was kind of not it was bad like i I guess i was gonna be nicer it's it's not it wasn't didn't draw me in at all i thought it was boring i also didn't love the um the, i said tiles earlier they're not tiles they're like little diamond shaped cards and those are what the actual ornaments that you're putting on the tree what i didn't like about that was that because they weren't tiles they didn't really butt up next to each other so ones would kind of go over top of others others would slide underneath it i thought if 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 they had tiles and it changed the art i would like this so much more but I did have a great time playing it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when you have a smaller publisher, I, I kind of expect that. And I'm okay with it. And the thing is, I love that they went back and redid all the artwork. Because yeah. I was fine with the artwork before. But the new artwork is it's it's much great. And they redid the Christmas tree. And so the, the Christmas tree itself looks much better. The ornament cards, they redid the art on those to match the Christmas tree. Yeah. Those look much better. So, yeah, I really recommend... I recommend picking this one up. Again, recognize that you're going to have to, if you're in the U.S., you're going to need to order this. As far as I know, you still have to order it directly from the publisher. Do you know what it costs? It's, I don't. That's fine. I, I think it's, um, I, I think shipping was, was pretty reasonable when I did it last year, maybe like $15 to, to where we shipped it. And it took a, a week, maybe, no, no, actually less than a week to get from Hungary to my house. Cool. So yeah, I was... I was pleased, and I really recommend supporting some of these small publishers anyway, especially if they're making great games like this. Yeah. So that was fun. It was it was stinky. Hey, I actually beat you. Stinky? Is that what you said? Stinky. Stinky. Okay. Yes. Yes. It I was actually stinky. beat Dean at a game. So yes. That made me feel. I love this game. Oh, we did. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a game that again I've been playing lately, but Dean has been playing lately as well because we both purchased this game as soon as it came out and that is home alone by big g creative and obviously the first thing that stood out to me was it was home alone i mean of course a home alone game comes out now they used to have an old home alone game from back in the day um i'd never played that one did you by any chance no but i remember i had the home alone 2 nintendo game i think it was on super nintendo that was uh that was my jam back in the day yeah that was that's some good stuff that's some really good stuff. It was so tough. That game is really difficult, but yeah, 
kids these days, you don't know what it's like to play games that are actually difficult because you can save anywhere. Yeah. You know, back in the day, like you die, you're starting at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, but that was, that was fun. So back to the board games. <laughs> yeah. I've not played the old board game. <laughs> um, so the new one was, it was, it, it was cool. I've played it with my wife and kids. That's it. Uh, we've played several rounds of it. You're actually Kevin or you are the wet or sticky bandits. And it's a one versus one or one versus mini game, which I'm usually not a huge fan of one versus mini games. I like them. I'm just not like super excited. How about you? It Yeah, it really depends on the game, but yeah. yeah so one person's Kevin and yeah. then everyone else that plays, whether it's two, three or four other players, you're the bandits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for this game in particular, I'm only going to play it too. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I yeah. like the option of being able to play against other people, but it... I don't know. Well, when I played with my kids and my wife, they all just teamed up. Yeah. So instead of having their own decks in their hands, they actually just drew six cards like the two-player version says, and then they all just kind of chose together, Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. But then um, as a bandit, it took forever for them to decide. (laughs) Three of them to go, oh, no, put it here, put it here. But anyways. But but it was was still cool. Um, We're not going to go into great detail about this, are we, Dean? Because we have just posted our first video review to the YouTubes. Yeah, we did. So if you uh, want to like see our full on review of this, just go to YouTube and type like Home Alone Game. I think we'll show up if you just type Home Alone Game. If you Home Alone Game Meeple Town will definitely get you there. Um, but I will say, I enjoyed the game. Um, I didn't think it was amazing, but it was cool that it was Christmas and it was. I mean, I love Home Alone. Like that's really high up there on Christmas movies for me. So it was fun being Kevin and setting traps being the bandits and trying to disarm the traps and get through to the loot. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, we'll talk about this. We have talked about this in the video, but you, you're you buying a Home Alone game from Target from a publisher who tends to make games that are geared towards a wider audience, yeah. which I love. And they, it, from what they were trying to accomplish, I think they knocked it out of the park. You know, if that's... If that's what they were trying to accomplish, and I think it was, because I think that game got into the hands of a lot of people yeah. that wouldn't necessarily play modern board games. So I think they knocked it out of the park from that perspective. For what they're trying to accomplish, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But as you'll see in our reviews, I, I thought the gameplay was mediocre, but that's just for me. Yeah. But again, I get to, when I think about it, when it comes to like kids and get my family involved, I mean, I can't play a even a medium light game probably with some of them, you know, cause my kids are pretty little. So I, maybe I would have been disappointed to a degree that I couldn't let my kids play with me if it was a little more complex. I don't know. It, you're hit it on the nail on the head when you said, I think it accomplished what they meant to. And so for that, it was cool. Yeah. So like John said, check out our review, but we both like it. And, uh, you know, we both love the theme and I think we both really love the artwork. Well, that's what we've been playing lately. Now let's talk about our full review of Santa's Workshop. Santa's Workshop is designed by Keith Ferguson. The art is by Lance Miller. It's published by Rio Grande Games in 2017 for ages 14 and up, two to five players, and plays in 45 to 60 minutes. In Santa's workshop, you will lead a team of elves seeking to earn Santa's favor by gaining the most cookies by the end of the nine days leading up to Christmas. 
Each day consists of each player placing their elves on the board one at a time in turn order taking the corresponding action until every elf has been placed. There are many different options to send your elves including the material shops where you can spend coal to gain a certain amount of fabric, wood, or metal, the plastic lab to gain plastic substitutes for the materials in the presence, the classroom where you can gain upgrades for that particular elf on future days, the reindeer stable where each reindeer will give you something different like materials, coal, the first player marker, or a few other options. Each reindeer will gain a cookie every day so that you'll also receive any cookies that have accumulated in their stall. You can also place your elf to gain new toys to build or to collect coal in the coal mine used to pay for materials. When an elf gathers materials, they will go on the toy card that needs those particular materials. For example, if you're building a guitar, it will need several wood cubes and a metal cube, or a dollhouse that will take wood and fabric. On some toys, you can use plastic instead of the higher quality resources, but you'll be rewarded less cookies for making a lower quality toy. After the toy has all the resources needed to build it, you will need to collect the number of assembly tokens needed to build the toy. That completed toy will then go into your completed toy pile to make room for you to start assembling new toys. Every three days, Santa will visit the workshop to see which team is building the most toys. The player with the most completed toys during those three days will gain two cookies per completed toy, and second place will get one per toy. Everyone's completed toys are then placed on Santa's sleigh, and a new day will begin. At the end of the nine days leading up to the night of Christmas Eve, the players will add up their scores, including some in-game bonuses, and the player with the most cookies wins. There's also a variant that has players flipping a card over each day to slightly change the rules for the day. Some cards do nothing. Some are bad, making it more difficult to gain resources or complete presents. Some are good, making the day easier for the elves. So that's going to do it for the overview of Santa's Workshop. Now let's get on to the review. In September of 2017, I saw one of the best publicity stunts in the board gaming world I've ever seen. And this was at a, an ESPN college game day. If you looked kind of in the background where all the people are holding up the signs, there's this one sign bobbing up and down that said, Santa's Workshop for Spiel des Jahres. <laughs> and awesome. I remember seeing that and thinking... Wait, did I did I really just see that? Because this is a game that I had been kind of following because I'm interested in, in Christmas games. Yeah. And then sure enough, the designer, Keith Ferguson, had taken a sign to College Game Day. He's a big Virginia Tech fan, and he was just holding this sign up in the background. And it actually, from what I could tell on Board Game Geek, it actually caused quite a few people to pre-order that game just because That's brilliant. they thought that was such a cool, like, bold move. That's and I, brilliant. I thought it was great. But today we are talking about said game. We are looking at Santa's Workshop, and we're going to start off by talking about the art and components. What do you think, John? Art and components. All right, so I thought that they were decent. I'm, I'll be honest with you. The, the art, I actually liked the box quite a bit. Um, I thought the art on that was really great. I thought the art, you know, throughout on the board and on the player mats and everything... I thought it was good. It didn't like suck me in. I didn't go, man, this is the most amazing art, you know, I've ever seen. But it was um, more than adequate. It was solid. Uh, I thought the components were um, solid. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could give you a whole lot more, but I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I thought it was the, those two things were just, they were pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I, there's a, a few complaints that I I have with them, but then there's some positives. You know, I, like you said, I like the I like the artwork on the box, and I think the the cards that come out. I think the the art's fine on those. The board it warps, which I understand. You know, boards warp sometimes. This one warps quite a bit, and I, part of that I, I need to just like stack a bunch of books on it, and then I'm sure it'll be fine. And it's yeah. not like it's not the end of the world. I'm okay with boards that warp. However. It's a pretty big board as well. It is a huge board, and that's a, that's a negative for me because it takes up a, a very big space. And then on top of that, when you go to the to the spaces, when you put your workers on the spaces in those little workshops, you know, to, to get fabric or to get wood or steel, you you just can't see them. It's so dark that's that it's, it's really difficult to see. Now, once you've played one round, you get over it because you know what the spaces are. So it's not it's not a really big deal, but it's... It's, it was hard to see. I I, yeah. I thought I yeah I really thought that whenever we were playing the game, I was like, huh? Is is yeah? Where are those dotted lines? It was kind of hard to see where you place the workers. I wonder if they've changed that in any other runs or if that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's uh, second editions of this game where they've where they've worked on the lighting yeah. with that. I'm just not. I'm not sure. But I'd say overall, that's still minor for me. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it's. It is an issue. An issue, I guess. I mean, I don't know if you want to make an issue, but. Yeah, maybe a low light. Yeah, but the the custom meeples I think are are kind of cool. That and was I, my favorite part of the components. And and the boards the boards are flimsy. Flimsy the player boards. I'm okay with that because they just sit on the table. But the you know each elf in the game, not just like your board has the same elf names as the other one. Every single elf has its own name in the board, which I think is cool. And they're like all that. themed with different Christmas you know music or, or whatever they all have their different themes which i think is pretty cool and the fact that they are custom meeples i would say the the christmas tree the first player marker it's tiny and i don't really understand why because the santa token is huge but i guess that's kind of a minor quabble you know it's not really that big of a deal i just wish the santa or the the christmas tree token would have been bigger that's all like more proportionate right because i mean right. there's a lot of first player tokens that are smaller than that I mean, sure. I'm, yeah. But how, yeah. But I think it's cool how Santa's a monster. Yes. <laughs> Godzilla Santa. Like I think that's that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I'd really like to see is is a company like Meeple Source to kind of go through and and make their own you know screen printed custom meeples and Santa meeples for this game. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And I'd probably go in on that. But yeah. But I did. I agree. Also, like having the different meeples for the elves was awesome. Thought that was that was. That and the giant Santa were my two favorite parts of the yeah. components. Yeah. So overall, I think we have pretty positive yeah. outlook on the art and components. But what about the gameplay? What would you think? Well, I really enjoyed it. I'll just kind of throw that out there. It was... So when I'm thinking of Christmas games, um, I'm thinking of games that I can get other people involved in. And, and because... I don't know. I mean, I'm going to play them with my family probably more than anything else. I might play them with a group of folks if we have like a Christmas party or something. Um, but all my gaming buddies, I don't know, Dean, maybe we should get together and have a Christmas board game like night with all of our gaming buddies or yeah. whatever. That might yeah. be kind of cool, but we haven't done that. So I say that to say, number one, I love worker placement games. I'm a nut for worker placement games. And it's a simple enough worker placement game to where I do believe that... Um, even my kids could pick up the game. Now, I'm not going to say that they would know all the strategies and all that kind of stuff, but they can pick up, oh, I'm going to go here and get some um, wood or whatever so that I can build you know, X, Y, or Z toy. 
and I've got to have some tools and stuff. So, um, I mean, I thought the gameplay was really solid. I had a blast, you know, playing the game. I thought it was a great weight. Um, and again, what I like about it, I think what I like about the gameplay a whole lot is that I like that it's simple enough to teach, but it's more complex than, like we talked about Home Alone. So that gives me enjoyment. Right. Like, I'm, if I could be selfish, like, it gives me some enjoyment because now I can actually have a little bit of complexity here to a to a Christmas game. And, um, yeah, I love that. What about you? Yeah, it is all about you, isn't it, John? It's, <laughs> it's all about me, baby. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you. But it's not even... I don't think that's a selfish thing because this is a game that anyone can play. You know, it's, it's can, the yeah. gameplay is very intuitive. If you have a toy... It, and I think this is kind of cool. So the toys that you're making, the the materials that you need to make that toy, they make sense, right? So like yep. I made I made a guitar that was one of the that was one of the items that I made. Well, obviously it's going to take a lot of wood resources to make a guitar, and then it takes steel because you need the or the metal to mm-hmm. to make the strings. But the cool thing is, I thought was that you can replace the metal with the plastic for the strings. Loved that idea. And I think that's really neat. You know, it's one, it makes it easier, especially towards the end of the game when, when toys get more difficult to make it enter, you know, when you, when you give this plastic pieces, put these plastic pieces on the toys, it makes it a little bit quicker. You get less points for that, but you know, you can maybe guarantee that you can make some toys that you wouldn't be able to make otherwise. I thought that was awesome. And Dean was right on. Like you can, you take those, um, the metal and if you, if it will, and all of them don't allow you to replace it with plastic, which is cool too. Yes. Because you know, toys that you just can't make in plastic, you can't make skates in plastic really, you know, ice skates or whatever, but being able to have that little piece to where then it devalues your points, you make it in plastic. It's simpler to make in plastic, but it devalues Brilliant. Yes. Love that. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. The other part of the gameplay that I really like, and this is, it's an interesting decision that you need to make, is if you want to upgrade your elves. Love and I, that too. I think you, I think you should upgrade your elves, at least, you know, some, some of them, not necessarily all of them, but you know, when you send them to class and they're now able to produce more wood or they're able to, to make more presents, um, I, I think, you know, cause they're able to produce more tools. I think that's a really cool aspect of the game. Love that. But yeah. you have to think, you know, if I send this, if I send Jingles, you know, that's the name of one of the L's, if I send Jingles to class so that he can now produce more fabric, well, then I'm not going to be able to use him that round. He's not going to benefit from that effect until yeah. the next round. So you have to think, do I want to basically waste an action to send them to school so that they can later on produce, you know, better items in the future? So Yeah, and that's where I messed up when we were playing was I probably should have done more of that at the beginning of the game. Um, that way you have them upgraded because obviously doing that later in the game is not going to be quite as valuable because you do waste a whole round, you know. So I, I thought that was... I thought that was great. And then you can go put your um, tokens where the reindeer yeah. are and grab a few victory or cookie points. Yes. You know, yes. that that was cool. I mean, there was there was uh, enough choices to really be an interesting game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned in the cookie points. I'm going to jump back to arts and components for just a second. I I think the, the track around the board is really neat with the, the different shapes of cookies that yeah. are on the outside. But... The actual cookie tokens that you put into the stables, yeah, they they look like plates of eggs, <laughs> and, 
And so when I taught this game to a group, you know, one of the, the first time that. they played, they were like, so why are the eggs on this table with the... <laughs> Reindeer really love the, the eggs. That's exactly what I said. I said, those are actually cookies, but they didn't believe me. So You know, actually, that was one thing. I, I didn't love the cookie track. I kind of thought it was a little busy. But that was me. I like things that are oh, like okay. clean art. You know what I mean? Like, But, sure. I mean, I do like how it was cookies instead of victory points. Right. Like, I always... I don't know. It just changing it up a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So that was cool. All right. So that's that's the general idea of the the gameplay for us. But let's get into our highlights and lowlights again. We've we've already kind of touched on some of these. I'll say for me, the highlights are those those pieces of gameplay that we just talked about. I like I like how plastic is introduced as you know a resource that you can use to make toys. You're not going to get points for it, but in fact, you know it. it it, you have to have those materials to make the toys and the plastic's going to cause you to make less points, but still it helps you to complete a gift, which is going to give you bonus points potentially when Santa Claus comes each, you know, every three days. We didn't even talk that about that. That was a highlight. I was going to, I was actually going to say that was a highlight of mine. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the you, you can talk about that. I'll, I'll just talk about sure. the plastic piece I think is, is kind of cool. I really enjoyed the, I liked upgrading the elves. I think that's just, I think that's a neat mechanic and I think it should be in more worker placements. I do. I've never played Chimera Station, but I think that's kind of the gist of that game is that yeah. you're upgrading your your characters that you your workers that you're putting out on the board. But it's not very common in games. It's such so. a simple addition. Yeah, it doesn't make it really complex. It's super easy to understand, and it just adds that extra wrinkle of thought complexity, I guess. As to what, should I go do this now or not? I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was great. The the Santa was cool. So every three days, Santa shows up, mm-hmm. and whoever has made the most toys. So you could go for toys that actually cost that get you more cookie points that take longer and require more resources, but again, get you more points. Or you could go the route of just making as many as you know the lower point values and just go tearing through those. If you do that, you're rewarded in the sense of when Santa comes, whoever has made the most toys actually gets extra points per toy right right and I, I i'm with you i think that's a really interesting aspect of the game it just makes you be able to have different like one thing I, I don't like games where i have the same strategy every single time and i think this adds that like okay what should i go this direction should i not go this direction i started off the game with these cards they're all low value maybe i'll just kind of play that throughout the game you know so i i like that or you could actually change per three days Right. You could play a, a three days where you're going for heavy things and just saying, you know, whatever, I'll let the other person get that. And then the next one, let me just do a bunch of cheap things. Right, right. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Another, another thing I liked about the game is the thought that you have, the, the, the decisions you have to make regarding whether or not you're going to go to the stables where the reindeer are. Yeah. Because basically it's a lesser action that you're going to get. So you can just go down there and go to one of the reindeer and he's going to give you fabric or one's going to give you two coal. You know, so the the act, the materials that you're going to get are less. But after each round, you're adding cookies into those stables. And so, you know, by the fifth round, you've got five points in there that, you know, yeah. it's basically like completing a very cheap gift by just going in there. It's and like I actually st- racked up on, I, in the games that I've played, I've, I've racked up a on a lot of points, points because way. people really ignore that. So. I noticed that you did that and did really well with that. It's like Small World where you're like, I don't want that race. But then when it gets enough money on it, right. you're like, I think I want it now. Right. Because that's, that's pretty solid. I also, now that you say that, I thought it was cool that, um, and I didn't like this at first, but halfway through the game, I thought it was great. 
is that first player remains first player until someone goes into the stables and kind of takes that first player token back. I didn't realize how valuable and important that was um, until like later on in the game because if you go and you take your elf and you put them, for example, in the um, school to upgrade, there's one particular thing that I think is really important, and that's getting those tools. Right. But if you can do that first and there's only one spot for that, if you can keep doing that and block everyone else from doing that, that's really important. So I should have actually like jumped in there earlier and grabbed, you know, grab that token and take it over. So I thought that was that was cool. And again, at first I didn't like it. I was like, man, Dean's getting to go first every time, and I have. But why doesn't it switch around? But after I realized the kind of importance of, well, now I've got to play some meeple, an elf, which then takes a turn. Should I do that? I thought it was another layer that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump from there into a low light because one of the things that I hear, probably the biggest complaint I've heard from anybody about this game is that towards the end of the game, when everyone's trying to make as many gifts as they possibly can, you get to that last day and the first things that go are tools because people yep. have been saving up resources on their cards and now they want to go make the toys and all those spots get taken up really quickly. And so you you being the first player in that last round is really really valuable because you might actually be able to complete two or maybe even three toys if you're the first player if you're the last player you might not complete any in that last day now i will say i don't think that's as big of a low light for me as i've seen other people because it it means that you have to plan more and it also means that in that last day, you might not be getting points based on how many toys you're completing. You might just be trying to gather more resources because you get points for resources yeah. at the end of the game. You might be just trying to gather up coal. You might be going to the stables and collecting the cookie points from going to help out the, yeah. you know, to help out the reindeer. So there's a lot of different ways to get points at the end of the game. So for me, it's not as big of a deal that you can't just go and, and make as many toys as you yeah. want. And that makes you, like you said, think the prior days. Even the day before, do I go ahead and grab that first player token so that I can go first? Or, man, I don't need to. I need to get some of these toys built so at the end of the game I don't have five toys that I need to get the tools for to get built. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I get why people wouldn't maybe love it, but I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it is it is a minor minor low light for me because I get it. You know, this idea of bottlenecking on that last day yeah. can, can be frustrating. Yeah. But I just don't think it's as big of a deal. I know, agree with that. As I've was, seen people make tiny, it. Tiny bit of frustrating, but not that huge of a deal. I also liked, which I don't know if you liked, so I'll bring it up. Um, there are cards that every day you flip over a new card, and it changes the dynamic of the game. It may say something like it costs more to, pre- to get a certain resource, or to go to school, or um, it, it could be an advantage or a disadvantage. And I like or that nothing, because... You know, or nothing, right. you're right. And every day there's kind of that element of, ooh, I wonder what card gets flipped over that's going to potentially change. Now, I say I liked it, and it screwed up my strategy more than once. Like, literally was going to go do the first action, and it flipped over and made it impossible or more difficult. Like, I needed coal really bad, and it's like, instead of getting four coal, you only get two. And I'm like, right. no! Right. And it, I think two or three times it did that, but I still liked it, because yeah. I thought it was just an element of surprise, what's going to happen yeah, yeah, and it affects everybody, right? So if yes. it just affects you, I can see that being a frustrating thing, but it affects everybody. And so it's not that big of a deal. Now, it is random. So if you don't like 
you know, really strong random elements in games like that, then you might just play without those cards. Sure. But, I mean, you could easily play the game without the cards, and it's it's just as good, I think. So, so I'm I, with you. I like the cards. I think yeah, they're cool. I like them, too. I, I, you know, I, I have a love-hate relationship with rolling dice and randomness and all that kind of stuff. There's just, there is an excitement to it. Yeah. But then again, someone could get lucky or unlucky, and it could really affect their game. So, again, kind of love-hate. But in this game, I liked it because it affects everybody. <clears throat> I thought that was cool. Now, if... If you are on the last day and the card flips over that makes it more difficult to get tools, that's womp, womp, womp. yeah, that's, that's going to be not a fun ending to the game. So yeah. I, I I would say I like the cards with the caveat that some of them are just frustrating. If it's just awful, just switch flip another one. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I'm not. Um, I'm not so locked into it that I feel like I have to play. I agree. As long as it's a a unanimous choice. Yes. If it's not unanimous, then I wouldn't do it. But if everyone says, yep, let's go ahead and flip to another one. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's a game. Games are supposed to be fun. That's the point. Especially Christmas games. That's right. All right. So that's any, any more highlights and lowlights from you, John? That's good. Okay. All right. Let's go into our final thoughts and our rating of the game. And I want to do my rating second because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this. So why don't you why don't you talk about your final thoughts? Okay, so <clears throat> excuse me, I kind of sounded more like a more of a man there for a second, maybe too though. Goodness gracious, I like that. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm not going to go over the highlights and lowlights what we already already talked about. I'm just going to drive str- dive straight in or drive straight in um, to what my rating is. Uh, I'm going to give this a very solid four out of six meeples. And I say, uh, and, and, I, and that, to me, that's a really good rating. Like, I would really like to own this game. It's not going to be my most favorite game um, because maybe I would personally like a few more wrinkles and a little bit more complexity. Um, probably that's just kind of, I would say, my style. But I mean, four out of six, I really enjoyed this game. I, I, I would love to have it and love to play it you know play it with my family so keith you did a really good job yeah an incredible a really good job yep i agree uh except with the rating i'm gonna mine will be a little bit different but i we we're not gonna do split ratings on here we've decided you know we're gonna we're gonna do a rating and stick with it yes but here's here's what i want to say you're, if are you saying that you don't want to do a split rating but you're about to kind no, of no, do no, a I'm, not gonna do, I'm not gonna do a split rating i'm gonna give it a final a final rating but if this game had a different theme that was less enjoyable for me, I probably wouldn't rate it as high just because the theme for me is is important. This is, you know, I want a good solid Christmas game that I know is going to come out multiple times this time of year. Yeah. One that my family's going to enjoy playing, one that uh, our friends are going to enjoy playing when we get together to play games at Christmas time. And there aren't very many of those games out there. Now, if this game didn't have the Christmas theme and it was just some, you know, generic, you know, just gathering resources to create something, I would probably give this a, I would probably give it a four, which is still a really good rating. Yeah. But it does have a theme that really draws me in. And it's a game that I do want to play all the time this time of year. I'm probably not going to play this game in June or July. But why would you? You know, and I don't need to have games that I play year round because I've got lots of games. Yeah. So for me, 
I, I, this game gets a five from me just because it's exactly the type of Christmas game that I want. You know, it's not a perfect game. It does have some issues with it. And, you know, I doubt it will get any, but if it came out with some expansions that, that added some new wrinkles into the game, I think that it could, could be really, really cool. It could bump it up to a five for me if they did that. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I, for me, this game's not going to go to a six. But it would, you know, I would enjoy the game even more. It might even be a solid or five. But for sure, this game is a five for me. The theme is great. I love the gameplay. I love upgrading the the meeples. I love that, you know, the different resources that you use to build the gifts and it makes sense. Everything just, you know, kind of makes sense. I We didn't even really talk about the coal, but I like the fact that you have to go and get coal and spend that to gather yeah. the resources. So it's a really, it's a really great game for me. I love this game a lot. It is. And I, <clears throat> I'll say this. Thus, right now, this is my favorite Christmas game. Oh yeah, yeah, by far for me. Yeah, so that that's that was my only thought to maybe raise it up uh, like another star. Like I, I thought about that for that reason, but I'm but I'm I'm sticking. I mean, it was a it's a very solid four. It's a great game. If you're looking for a Christmas game, like absolutely go buy it. It's what about forty bucks or something like that. I think that's 45? right. Yeah, forty. Well, it worth it. Oh yeah, absolutely for me. If I gave it a five, it's it's definitely worth yeah. the forty dollars. Yeah. Me too. I'd like to own it for sure. So that's Santa's Workshop. John gave it a four. I gave it a five. But both of us for sure said that this is our our favorite Christmas game. So publishers, make more Christmas games. Yeah. We want to see more of these type of games. And Keith, Keith, if you're listening, just hit me up. If you want to send me a copy of this, John <laughs> would be very happy with that. <laughs> well, you don't have to send me. I, I have the copy of the game. So we are satisfied with it. Thanks for making this game. And now we're going to go to our top five games that are on our wish list to play right now. So, Dean, this time of year, I'm thinking about wish lists a lot. How about you? Yeah. I love my wish lists. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I was expecting you to say something else after that. That's it. No. Just an emphatic, yeah. Yeah, board game wish list, sure. I love it. (laughs) So, uh, I thought, let's let's do a top five this week on games that we just want to play. Now, these are not necessarily all new games. These may be games that are years old that we've just never played before, and we're saying, you know what, I really want to play this game. If I could pick five games right now, what game do I want to play, or games, excuse me, do I want to play? So let's just dive in. Yeah. Dean, number five. All right, my number five is a game that's been out for maybe a year. Yeah, it was published in 2017. It's called The Seventh Continent. Yeah. And this is rated 14th overall on Board Game Geek. It's a, it's a cooperative game. It can be played solo. And it's, it's designed by Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter. Uh, Ludovic also did the, the art for this game, and it's published by Sirius Pulp. But So I'm just going to read from the description because I feel like it's, it's, you know, it kind of gives you an idea. But it's, it's the early 20th century, and you've decided to sail back to the newly discovered seventh continent to attempt to lift the terrible curse that has struck you since your return from the previous expedition. Then it kind of goes on from there. But this is very much, from what I can tell, just an an exploration game. And it's one big, long storyline. So once I guess once you've played through it, you might not necessarily play through it again. But I've heard it takes about maybe 20 to 30 hours to kind of play through. It's a lot of playing. Yeah, it is. It's in a giant box, too. It's a card-driven game. 
And I have a buddy who has this. So it's not like a, a game that's on a wish list of me to purchase. It's to get my buddy Jonathan to <laughs> set this game up and get a group of us to play it. But I, I love story-driven games and just highly thematic games. And I think this one would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Those types of games, sometimes it's like um, people talk about boats. It's great to have a friend that has them. <laughs> yes. You don't need to deal with the maintenance. You don't got to pay for it. And you can just... Go enjoy it every once in a while. Um, because of the high rating on Board Game Geek, uh, I have a, I had it on my radar as something that I think it looks really interesting to play, and I think the art looks pretty cool and stuff like that too. So it really does, and it just the story, everything I hear is how good the story is in it. Yeah. So I just I want to check that out. And it seems like it's kind of potentially in my wheelhouse on the complexity. So right, I think that that's pretty cool. All right, so let me dive into my number five. And that is Spring Meadow by Uwe Rosenberg. Now, Rosenberg is amazing. Sure. <laughs> I was sure setting you up for that, actually. <laughs> Dean and I, I probably I like disagree. We... Yeah, I mean, I like him. They're just... This, this sure, one's way lighter than his I like games. his games. That sounded... <laughs> man, you really sell me. People love his games. I'll say that. People do love his games, and I'm one of those persons. I quite, I really like... I really like his games. Um, this is the third game in his little trilogy, Indian Summer, Cottage Garden, and now Spring Meadow. I like spatial relation games. I like tile placement games. Um, again, that, that the kind of puzzly games are are uh, in my wheelhouse. I'm, I'm better at those, though. I'm still not saying that I like them the best, but I guess because of that, I, I enjoy those games so i i'd really like to play spring meadow do you have any desire to play that i really don't now i didn't think you did i've heard good things about uh i i don't know (laughs) two of the three i feel like one of them wasn't as highly touted as the other ones but i would play these they're just not at the top of my of any list but that being said i really like patchwork and that's one my wife and i play quite a bit how can you know you just, you just... Well, why, why, why do I need these, I guess? I need somebody to sell me on why do I need to play these above Patchwork if I already have that. So you'll have to come to my house and we'll give it a shot. Yeah, or but Baron I may Park. Not, Baron but Park I may is another one you. of those games. that I, I really like Baron Park. Why do I need these above Baron Park? Okay, so that's one I haven't tried and that I actually wouldn't mind giving a shot because people will say that. It's interesting, too, because people do debate, like, well, is Indian Summer better than Cottage Garden? And there's a lot of, like, division yeah it there really is so like and, and the board game geek rating right now is like 7.2 so it's pretty good but not amazing and right. i think it's because people are like i like this one better i don't really like that one and for whatever reason but of course patchwork is just i guess because it's a great quick two-player game maybe people latch onto that i think there's more um uh i don't know what what the word is for everyone i, I should know the word it's a simple word everyone joins together and says agreement, but it's I'm thinking of another word. Anyways, more agreement about how they like patchwork compared to some of these other games. Yeah, okay. I'm going to throw this out there. Again, I don't know enough about any of these three games. I know that one of them has like cats in the game, which is doesn't excite me at it's all. It's amazing. But <laughs> I would say... <laughs> you think the theme doesn't excite you? If you don't have Rosenberg and... And Patchwork was never created. I don't know if these games would be as much on people's radars as they are, which is okay. I mean, that's not a big deal, but I just, for me, they they just don't excite me. But, but people make, love them. So. I'm going to make you come to my house and play, and then we'll, and we'll see. Okay. Wait, do you, you have still this may, game? You still, no. But oh, okay. I, well, this is on my wish list for Christmas. Oh, okay. So this is one okay. that I, that I if, if I don't get it for Christmas, then I'll go ahead and buy it. So. Okay. 
Anyway, we'll do that. So I, I'll about- definitely play it, and I and I think because I have such low expectations, it's probably going to wow, wow me. But just right now, it's not something that I'm super. I like that because we agree so much. It's fun to not completely agree on yes. Yeah. Number four, I'm Dean. I'm going to make it my point. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. To disagree with everything you say. <laughs> my number four is a game that came out, I believe it came out in 2017, but it's being redone by Simon Games. Sorry, it came out in 2016, and it's being redone. It's it's actually the Kickstarter's over now. And this game is called Project Elite. Mm. And Project Elite is a real-time game. It's designed by... Forgive me because I know I'm going to butcher it. Constantinos Kokinis and Soterios Santilas. That's Dude, that's who these are designed by. Those are some names and some long names right there, bro. And yeah. we're, we're down in Tennessee, <laughs> so it's kind of hard for us. So we apologize, fellas, if we uh, messed that up. I have no idea what else they've they've done, but this this game is really high on my list because... Uh, well, okay, so the Dice Tower just did their top 10 or top 100 games of all time. And Tom Vassell had this as his number one game wow. of all time. That's cool. And he's also, before before this, it's been in his top 10. But now that it's been redone by CMON, it jumped up on his list. But also, I, I really enjoy Rotto Run-Through. That's a... Yeah, I like Rotto. It's uh, Richard Ham does these videos on YouTube, and he just basically runs through the games. And their tastes tend to not align very much, but they both really, really like this game. And so automatically that kind of jumped up as as one I'm interested in. The new version of this seems to have great miniatures because it's CMON and that's what they do. The artwork looks really cool and I enjoy real-time games. So I think I would really like this quite a bit. It's a space-themed game, which doesn't really, you know, that doesn't necessarily excite me, but I, I think because it's, you know, you're basically going around trying to do these different missions. Basically, you're. I think most of the missions revolve around you trying to, sit, you know, make sure your base is not overrun by these aliens. And you're all doing this real time, so it's cooperative. But you can't really have this quarterbacking where one person's kind of taking control because everybody at one time is doing the action. So I like real time games. I really like uh, escape. Um, whatever escape curse of the temple i like that game quite a bit kitchen rush is a game that that i've not played yet but it really interests me but anyway real time game i i think this is going to be a lot of fun and i I really want to play this when it comes out yep i would as well i'm not going to add a whole ton i just i think it looks pretty interesting uh if if and when you get it i would love to play this with you excellent all right so my number four i'm gonna tell you several on my list i've been drawn in by the art Sure. Like art is usually for me what sucks me. I mean, like it draws my attention. Now the gameplay may be terrible, and I'm not going to give it a high rating just because the art is good. But it usually is the first thing that I look at a box and go, "Wow!" And I saw Dinosaur Island, and I think it was like not only it was the colors, like they're just so different, like these like really nice pinks, and and it was just like in my face. And then whenever I started um, reading about the game um i get, went and watched some videos and saw that you've got like uh, you got worker placement involved you're rolling dice um you're kind of you're doing some set collection there's a lot of different elements to it 
And I just thought, man, this game looks like a whole lot of fun. Um, the components look really, really solid. The complexity level, according to Board Game Geek, is right around three. And, and I generally like that because it's generally games that I can introduce to people that don't know, you know what I mean, that aren't super gamers, but I can usually let them play a little bit, but complex enough to be interesting. So I'm really wanting to play this game. Yeah, this would. This is a game that would be on my list, but I kickstarted this, and I actually I think this is coming in the mail like within the next day or two, and so I'm it's coming it's, over to your house. Yeah, whenever you get it, I think for sure in the next couple of weeks you will mark one of these off your wish list because yes. I, I'm really itching to play this game. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. So what about your number three, sir? My number three is a game that when I mentioned this to you earlier, you said, are you really ever going to play this? And (laughs) maybe not. But that is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. This 4th Edition just came out within the last within the last year or two. But this is a fantasy flight game designed by Dane uh, Beltrami, Corey Konetska and Christian T. Peterson. And this is a game that's actually been around for a while and it's kind of touted as like the ultimate like space opera game, 4X game where you're okay, I'm going to try to get these right. The, the 4Xs are ex, <laughs> explore, <laughs> exterminate. Uh, you're not selling me on, you know, you actually you know in this emphatically, bro. Man, okay. Well, if I wasn't on the spot in front of, in front of my microphone, I would get these right. But but, but essentially it's this that giant this giant space opera game that takes the playing time says 240 minutes to 480 minutes. I, I've heard that the new edition of this, the timing is has been cut back a little bit, but I think four to six hours is kind of that. What I'm hearing is is kind of that general time frame for the fourth edition. Before that, I've heard of games that can take really all day long. I don't own this game. I, I have a connection of somebody who does own this game. And I had an opportunity to play it over the summer, and I just it didn't work out with my time. But I, I'd really like to to try this one out, mainly because I just want to I want an epic space game, and I haven't really played one yet. But this is I touted it's definitely going to be epic. Yeah, yeah, epic it, in time. And, epic but, in time. <laughs> I mean, it's it, this is the reason I asked you that earlier was like it's I feel like they have games that in theory I really want to play, but what I haven't done is decided to invest that much time money energy or whatever you know what i mean into one of those games i agree i think this would be fun to play but this is like to learn and to play it the first time is no doubt an all-day affair right you're right oh yeah yeah i would but say I, so. i'm down with it i definitely would play but i think that's what's caused me not to play it yeah. in the past i could see really liking this game but only playing it once or twice ever i mean honestly yeah. i I'm maybe more of a shallower gamer. You know, games that are three to four hours don't usually appeal to me unless they draw me in with the theme or with the story. And I I think that this one probably would. I think yeah. that theme would really draw me in. Okay, the four X's: explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. I knew I was it was going to draw me nuts if I didn't look that up. You so. got it. You yeah. got it. There we go. So that's my number three: Twilight Imperium. Yeah, I agree with you about the 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 dawning nature of some of these games. Like, and I, sometimes I think. It's not that I necessarily love softer games, but because the reason I play board games mostly is the social aspect of it. And I think we talked about that in the first episode. And I love getting people involved in playing. So when you have games like that, I don't get that. It doesn't get to tickle 
that or scratch that itch. <laughs> tickle, I don't know. It doesn't tickle your fancy. It doesn't tickle my fancy or scratch that itch, but I but they can be so much fun. So I definitely would like to play, but anyway. So I'll talk about a game that's not quite as complex that I'm again interested in, and that is Dice Settlers. You haven't played this yet. Have no, you? I've not. I almost backed this on Kickstarter and then I, I ended up not doing so. But it's one that, that's interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to me. And I'll tell you what what actually initially drew me in was um was the guy who made it. So it's and I may just, you know, butcher his name, but David Turtsky. I don't know. Sorry, David, David, you know, if I messed up your name. But he actually did Anachrony and he oh. also did Cerebria. So like and what drew me in was he did those two games, but now this is a game he's done that's a little lighter weight. And so I went, cool. I think I'm, I'm think I'm down with that because I could get some other people, you know, to play it. If I'm gonna, I would love. I haven't played Cerebria, but I really want to play it. But I know that's super heavy from what I've heard, or pretty darn heavy. And usually I just, <clears throat> you know. I can't get a lot of people into that, so I thought this may be like a perfect game to kind of get people in. Those there's tile placement, um, you know, and I, I always I always enjoy that. There's kind of like an area cr- control element to it, um, and you know, rolling dice. Now the name Dice Settlers, I know people have complained about because people think it's just Settlers of Catan <laughs> game or something. I've heard people complain about that, but I don't That's really silly. Care. You can use the same word in other I names. know. That's, that's Literally, I've heard a lot of people say that, that was, it's a horrible name because of that. Now, I will say it's not like a gripping name. Right. Oh, yeah. But um, I know. I don't know. I For those reasons, I really want to play this game. I'll say on Board Game Geek, it's the lowest rated game that I'm going to say on my top five. It's 7.1. So maybe it's not as exciting but over seven in my opinion is usually generally decent oh yeah absolutely so, yeah. yeah pretty fun so anyways that's it dice settlers yeah that's that's what i'm interested in playing as well yeah all right my number two and i'm realizing this right now i didn't think about this when i made the list but the games that are on my list are all very thematic games games they that are, are story driven so far they are and i i didn't think about that till just now but my number two is the number one game on Board Game Geek, so like the best game of all time, and it's called Gloomhaven. Did Glo- you just say it's absolutely the best game of all time? I mean, according to Board Game Geek, <laughs> it is. It's rated an eight point nine. I know it's crazy. That's yeah, nuts. It's, and it's only been out what twenty seven. Twenty seventeen. It was right? published in twenty seventeen. It was designed by Isaac Childress and published by Cephalfair Games. I don't. If you're listening to this game, uh, to this podcast, and you're a big gamer, you've heard of this game, and you know much more about it than I do. I know it's a story-driven kind of a dungeon-crawling game. It uses uh, cards for you know this tactical combat system. It's kind of a Euroy game, I think, but it's super thematic. Yeah. But you, I think it's. I think this is right. I think there is like 95 scenarios that you play in this game, or something like that. And so it's. Um, it's just one that's really interesting to me. Again, you know, going back to Twilight Imperium, I want a game that's very, that's a big space opera. You know, that mm-hmm. I want that in my collection. I also want a really solid, like, amazing dungeon crawler game that feels like you're, you know, you're actually in this story. So, I almost put it on my list. I mean, the first thing that gripped me was just how highly it was rated. Like, to be real, seeing it num- number one, and what'd you say, eight point? It was high eight. Eight point nine. That's crazy. Yeah. So that, that drew me in, but um, I, I agree. It, it reminds me of, like, 
uh, kind of like a like a dungeon crawl, like a D and D type thing. It reminds me of like when I would watch some videos, like some of the video games that I really used. to... I don't play a lot of video games anymore, but it just kind of I was like, man, this looks you know really fun. Now it's um, will take a little bit to learn and to play through it all and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty long. Yeah, yeah, but but each but session it's, it's, you're it's, only it, playing. Short yeah, sessions. I think I think each session is only like an hour ish, yeah, an hour to two hours, something awesome. like that. So that's I think perfect. that's pretty cool. And the reason why this is on a wish list and not like a game that I'm going to go out and purchase, because my buddy Jonathan, who also <laughs> owns Seventh Continent, owns this, and so eventually I would like to get to play this with with him. But I this Maybe is a this is a this. commitment. Yeah, I almost this was this is probably like six or seven on my list if I had that. So I, I'd really enjoy playing that. So yeah. Let me go for my number two. Now, my number two is a game that a lot of you all will probably be like, you haven't played this yet? Um, and you know what? I don't mind not... Uh, sometimes whenever you're doing podcasts or you're doing Twitter and people are following you, you're afraid to admit if you haven't played a game or something because you you want to be the expert. But goodness gracious, there's a thousands of games. You can't play them all. Now, I'm going to actually beat myself up for not playing this game yet. But the reason it's number two is because it's been out for like two years and I'm still yet to play it. And that's Scythe. You've never played this? <laughs> I was just waiting I for it. I knew you were going to do that. Oh my gosh. You're such an idiot, John. I can't believe you've never played this. I have never played Scythe. And um, one of the biggest draws to it for me is Jamie Stegmeier designed this game. And one of my favorite games of all time is straight up Viticulture. And he, of course, did Viticulture. So, um, anywho, yeah. Is that all you want to say? I want you to talk now. <laughs> oh, right. Because The I reason actually... I want you to talk now is because you... <laughs> Was that awkward? Yeah. Uh, the reason I want you to talk now, I would like you to talk now, let's be nicer, is because you have played it multiple times, so I'd like you to kind of share your yes. experience. I Well, I'll start off by saying I love, love Scythe. It is... It's a great game. So... Okay, it, it takes place, the setting is um, 1920s Europe. It's like an alternate post, um, uh, an alternate like post-war Super setting. Cool theme. So you have these people that are trying to rebuild their society and you have mechs. Like, I know, I love it. Just say mechs and that's it. That's I know, all you I need love to know. it. But, got me. So the mechs are used for transporting people and goods and things like that. And also they're used to attack other uh, other groups but in this game essentially you're racing to get six stars out on the board and then when that happens that triggers the end game and then you're going to figure out your points so it's a euro game and that you're basically like you're just trying to gobble up a bunch of points but it's also very thematic because you're battling other people and you know it, the the things that happen in the game are are pretty interesting like if you attack another group and they have, you know, just regular villagers that are involved in that attack. Well, you're going to lose popularity, which is how you're going to get some points at the end of the game. That's really thematic. You you explore in this game, and when you explore, basically you're looking at a card that just has a picture on there. And then from that picture, it the choices that you have to make are are lined up with that picture. And I'll say, I'm sure I've said this with Everdell, this is... This is some of the best artwork in in it's board cool. games. The and the neat thing is Jamie Stegmeier saw the artwork. I believe this is right. I think he saw the artwork and then kind of created a game based on the artwork. It's awesome. They're they're making a video game based on in this world. It's 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 incredible. It really is. I really yeah, think they should make a movie based on on the the theme of this. I may have should just put this as number one because it's been out so long and I haven't played it. But I'm you know and it's number seven on Board Game Geek. I mean. 
come on. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. and it's it's that's high. It's rated an eight point three, which is super high. The dice tower, the dice tower with their top one hundred games of all time, the People's Choice Scythe was was number one on the People's Choice. So it's it's amazing. I love this game. Amazing. Well, all what right. is your number one? I'm on the edge of my seat, and I can't wait to hear. It. All right, so my number one is another thematic game. This one is by Rob Davio. And it is published by Avalon Hill Games, and the game is Betrayal Legacy. I have played Betrayal House at Haunted Hill a bunch. It's a really thematic Halloween-themed game where you're exploring a haunted house, and then somebody becomes a betrayer, and then, you know, crazy things happen, and then you're trying to win the game. And Betrayal Legacy... It's it's the same game except the the game changes as you play. I think you play a series of, of 14 games and then once you get done with the game, you have your own unique game that you can play over and over again, but your game looks different than everyone else's based on the decisions that you made in those previous games. So I, I'm excited about this because I like legacy games. I love Betrayal House at Haunted Hill. It's just, it really How is a silly like, get through all these legacy dumb games? game. I won't. <laughs> I won't at all. But this is one that I for sure will get through. I have I'm in a pandemic legacy campaign, the season one that's been going on for about a year now. Once we get done with that, I'm gonna try to encourage them to play this because I think they would cool. like it too. But cool. that's my number one, Betrayal Legacy. Awesome man. Yeah, that would be nice. We'll have to give it a shot. So my number one is a game that uh, the art absolutely gripped me. I think the art is literally phenomenal. It's kind of quirky. It looks really cool, and that is Root. I really, 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 really want to play Root. Um, the the characters, the I wouldn't say meeples, but the little woodland characters, the uh, they're just like they look so cool. The board looks amazing, um, and then you start looking at the gameplay and the mechanics, and it's you know kind of like an area control thing. You've got war going on, a little bit of adventure. There's a lot of different mechanisms that are played in this game, but one in really interesting piece is that there are different factions and they all have special abilities and they all have special things that they're actually going for to help them win the game and it's a little bit and they're all different but what's cool is that some of them are easier to play than others and so again with my desire to draw people into playing games this uh, the weight this looks like it's kind of a, a middle kind of weight game maybe a little heavier than or mid, middle heavy I guess it depends on who you are I'm looking on board game geek and it's saying it's like 3.4 or whatever but I I love that. It's it's in a great wheelhouse, but it's so cool that maybe I can draw people in to let them play some of the easier factions um, to play that um, you know might not play a game of this weight. So you know I'm not going to keep going on. I just think this game looks amazing, and I really want to play it. People love this game, and it's not it's not been out very long, but it's already rated 113 on board game an 8.2 and an 8.2 uh, i'm hearing really good things this is one that's it's interesting because i don't have much of a desire to play it but it's only because i just haven't done enough looking into the game for some reason if you watch just, some videos you'll be like dude that looks cool i bet i would and i think i would enjoy it once i played it it just hasn't gripped me pulled me in so maybe i'll have to get it and we'll have to play it or something like that so yeah yeah that I'll, I'll definitely try it out but that is going to complete our top five games that are on our wish list of, of games that we just really want to play. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode number three. Thank you guys for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Meepletown Games or connect with us in our Board Game Geek Guild. That's guild number 3407. That's just the Meepletown Guild. 
we would also love for you to check out our videos on our YouTube channel. So just search for Meeple Town, and that's one word, Meeple Town. And then once you find us on there, we would love for you guys to subscribe. We're going to try to put more videos out in the weeks to come. But that's going to do it for episode number three. So thanks for coming down to Meeple Town. Mm-hmm.